0: Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. This is the
1: monster from the swamps, Regis Rugeru program. It
2: hey, was up. This is King Carlos Polina, former IBF world champ.
1: This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian, and your people's champ.
0: This is Charlie Edwards flyweight champion of the world
1: this is fast eddie chambers and you're listening
3: to the box hard podcast with my main man joey coastman hello everybody and welcome to episode 187 of the box hard podcast i'm your host joey coastman i'm joined as always by the infamous mr ayaz sumra ayaz how you doing I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show here. I'm going to waste no time. We're going to start at the Nottingham Arena in Nottingham, United Kingdom. Um, This was obviously last Friday, a debut win for Charles Frankham, Although he didn't really overly impress, to be honest with you. He... Uh, seemed a little bit too easy to hit for my liking. He had a huge size advantage over his opponent. Um, but yeah, a win nonetheless. Obviously, he banks those rounds. It was a four-rounder. A win against a guy whose name I won't even try to pronounce. Uh, also on the bill, Chris Billum-Smith. He was thrown on... Um as a little bit of a replacement kind of thing, I think a few fights fell out of bed on the week of the fight, uh, the fight night, and then Chris Billum Smith was one of the guys to step in. He managed to move to nine and zero, just a little keep busy before he has his fight against Richard Riakpour soon. And it was a win against Yassin Habachi, who's now four and f- uh, sorry five and fourteen with five draws. Uh, he retired on his store after three rounds, so a stoppage win there for Chris Billum Smith also on the bill. Speaking of the Smiths, Stephen Smith, he returned to the ring after about a year and a half out of it. Uh, he picked up his 26th win inside 30 fights. It's, of course, 26 and 4, a points win over six rounds against Des Newton, who's now 7 and 5. Newton was down in the fifth uh, from a body shot, but like I say, he got back up and survived the distance. Uh, also on the bill, Terry Harper moved to 7 and 0 a TKO in the 6th round against Claudia Lopez a former world champion if I'm not mistaken 25 and 10 now her resume or her record I should say and Terry Harper 7 and 0 like I say Lee Wood he looked amazing actually he moved to 22 and 1 he really did steal the show it was for the Commonwealth featherweight title Ryan Doyle former holder of the belt big puncher Ryan Doyle um I think he really does blow hot and cold though 17 and 4 now with one draw, It just wasn't at the races it seemed like it was perhaps his game plan to try and come on late um, in the fight, because I think he'd been you know, like 10 rounds quite a few times I think he may have even gone 12 rounds before, whereas Lee Wood didn't really have experience in the later rounds but no, he was completely completely out of his depth, so it would seem, and he was outclassed pretty much for the whole fight, I don't think he even won a round really, really impressive there from Lee Wood I actually uh, believe that that Doyle would win, probably by stoppage. Um, obviously, looking at Lee Wood's only loss, it came to Gavin McDonnell, I said it on last week's show, not a puncher at all, and Ryan Doyle, we know he can crack. Um, so, yeah, a brilliant win there for Lee Wood, who uh, who is now 22-1, and and, you know to lose to a guy like Gavin McDonald, not a bad fighter at all, obviously a two-time world title challenger in his own right, so Lee Wood, a lot better than I perhaps made him out to be last week, so I apologise for that, and a guy that perhaps we all thought was a little bit better than he was, Jordan Gill, 23-0 and he was, he was on the verge of being ranked in the top 15 with a WBA, it was a... It was supposed to be, anyway, a defense of his international WBA featherweight title. In the other corner, the well, the uh, the man that we hadn't really heard much about, Enrique Tinoco. He was a guy that no one really knew. And then, like I say, it looked really bad because he was able to beat Jordan Gill and beat him in real good fashion. He was down three times during... The fight, all from body shots. Um, Tinoco, like I say, he was a guy that we didn't know much about. He had a record of 17-5 and five with four draws. I mean, you look at his resume. He'd been the distance with a few prospects. He didn't have any standout wins at all. And Jordan Gill, I mean, look at that for an inflated record. 23-0. and 0. Do you know what? I hate to say it. Because he could go on to big things, I'm not saying you can completely write him off. He's only about 23 or 24 years of age, so he's still got a real future in the sport. Um, he, you know, he's he's flown through domestic levels, so it would seem. With the Commonwealth, you know, he he completely obliterated um, um, Ryan Doyle, and you know he's looked really good. He's passed every test, really. I mean, he had a he had a bit of a hiccup, didn't he? With um with, was it Jason Cunningham, actually? He had a little bit of a hiccup with him. Um, aside from that, though, he's looked, he's looked pretty good. And this was, like I say, a massive upset. I mean, yeah, to, to actually think this would have been his 24th win. I mean, it's just not good enough. It reminds me a little bit of Zelpha Barrett. The way he had a completely inflated record, then he gets beat by Ronnie Clark. And Ronnie Clark is a good fighter. We knew about him. But the difference with Tonoko he's a guy that we didn't know much about. Jordan Gill didn't know much about. Jordan Gill probably, you know, overlooked him, underestimated him. Because no one expected much from this guy that we'd never heard of. And it was all but... Um, All but factual, really, because he was a good fighter. Um, He was a tough guy. We expected that coming from the part of America he came from. Like I say, all all three knockdowns were body shots. Uh, Jordan Gill blamed it on... I think he said he'd been on the toilet many times with food poisoning or something. I mean... It's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. He was he was completely beaten by the better man on that night. And it's worrying, actually, because, like I say, that's, that's a prospect there who's lost his O. And Eddie Hearn has had a bit of bad luck, actually. Obviously, Anthony Fowler losing his O. Um, Jordan Gill losing his O. And there was another prospect who lost his O. I can't think who it was now. Um, who's the other guy that lost his O recently? Another prospect. Ritson. Lewis Ritson. So... Not so good. Oh, and obviously Ted Cheeseman as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not so good over there right now. Uh, bad luck for the Matram team. Um, but yeah, like I say, Jordan Gill's young enough to come again. But that was a bad show in there. And in the ring afterwards, when he kind of pretty much blamed it all on the food poisoning, that that told me he's not even accepting this. He's he's actually finding an excuse. Um, all the best to Jordan Gill. Nothing against him at all, but he was he was completely outclassed by this unknown. Uh, so question marks about where he goes, Jordan Gill. Certainly not in the top 15 with a WBA. I don't want to see that. Uh, moving out now to Germany. An interesting fight over here between Robin Krasnicki, 49 and 5, going in against Stefan Hartel, who was 17 and 1. Hartel, a prospect who lost. Like the biggest fight of his career, pretty much, but it didn't really mean he was done, and it really didn't mean he was done because this one was for the EBU European super middleweight title. He was the underdog going in, but he was able to beat Krasnicki, um, if I'm not mistaken, in Krasnicki's backyard, and that denied Krasnicki getting his 50th win. So, Stefan Hartel now 18 and 1, and Krasnicki now 49 and 6. He's been dethroned, so perhaps Hartel. I know that Anthony Yard's looking at Kovalev now, but again. I'd like to see Yard and Hartel, or anyone, perhaps even Callum Johnson, jump on that one. If you don't, you know, if you don't um, get a world title fight pretty quickly in the near future, then anyone can jump on that. How about Hartel against um, against um, Jose Burton? Give me that one. Um, I can see that fight being made, by the way, if there's no rematch clause for Krasnicki here. Moving out now, though, to the Brentwood Centre in Essex, United Kingdom. The return of Liam Walsh. He'd been out the ring for two years, almost to the day. Um, his record now, 22-1. He hadn't boxed since losing to Javante Davis. He returned with a knockout himself against Ronaldo Kajina. 14-61 and with five draws. A journeyman that's been around the circuit for... Uh, For many years now, really, he's now, um, like I say, picked up his 61st loss. It was a knockout in the third round for Liam Walsh. Danny Dignam moved to 11 and 0, a points win against Rafael Jakiewicz, who's now 50 and 23 with two draws. Huge, huge gap there in the experience, but a brilliant win for Danny Dignam over, over eight rounds there. Sam Gilly was also on the bill, the prospect 7-0, and he took on Fernando Valencia, Fernando Valencia 8-12 and going in, the good thing about him he had never been stopped until he took on Bradley Skeet and he got stopped at the Brentwood Centre, he returned to the Brentwood Centre and he got stopped again it's an unlucky venue for him, he shouldn't ever come back to the Brentwood Centre, Fernando Valencia he got stopped here in two rounds a TKO by Sam Gilly he becomes the quickest man to stop the guy Harlem Eubank moved to 8-0 a points win over 6 against Elite. Palacios, who's now seven and forty-four with five draws, but that's about it really for uh, for the Brentwood Center. The final two bills to mention for the review part of the show—they happened firstly here at the Convention Center in Tucson, Arizona, USA. Uh, on the undercard, Michael Fox will be speaking to him later in the show. He's now twenty and one. He took on the 2016 Olympic gold medalist Fazladin. Um, Gaib Nazarov, I think his his, his name is, uh, 7-0 he was going in. A huge, huge favourite. Michael Fox coming off that very controversial loss to Ergashev, another good amateur. And um, Michael Fox was able to upset the odds unanimously over 10 rounds. We will be speaking about that with him later. Miguel Mariaga boxed on the card as well. He picked up win number 28. He's got three losses. It was a retirement, though, after three rounds to Ruben Cavera. Kavera was down twice in the second. Um... Both by by uh, by body shots, and Mariaga himself was actually down in the third round, but then his opponent decides to quit on his store after that third round. Very bizarre. Uh, also on that bill, we should mention Carlos Castro, a good fighter by the way, and in the other corner, Mario Alberto Diaz, eighteen and three. Um, he was down in the second round, but like I say, unanimous decision over ten there for Carlos Castro. Certainly one to watch. Miguel Burchell topped the bill against Francisco Vargas. Obviously a rematch. Um, the first fight ended in an 11th round TKO, um, in favour of Bashel and he was able to win here because Vargas retired on his store after 6 rounds, I've got to be honest, I was watching, um, I think probably the first 4 rounds, and then I switched it off, I thought he would probably go late, but I, uh, yeah, I missed it, so uh, I missed the final little part of the fight there, but it was, of course, for Bashelt's WBC World Super Featherweight title. He's now 36-1 and again on last week's show. Gary Russell Jr. said he'd like to fight him. I'd love to see that, or perhaps uh, Bashel and Javonte Davis. Give me that one. Francisco Vargas though in the other corner twenty five and two with two draws. And the main attraction over here for me though, Emmanuel Navarrete, twenty six and one going in against our very own eyes at Dog Bay, twenty and one. Um Dog Bay was down in the sixth round. It was um... Somewhat of a questionable knockdown. He was down in that 6th, and then he was also down in the 12th, and the referee actually stopped the fight because the corner threw the towel in, obviously. Paul Dogbo, um, the, the, the father of Isaac, he threw the towel in in the final round, which was, I mean... A bit of a strange one, because I think he probably should have stopped it a few rounds earlier. But because he decided to actually stop it in the final round, it was a bit of a shame. Because I know Dog Bay, he don't want to get stopped. And it's a stoppage loss on his resume there. In the final round, he would have liked to go the distance. Um, he would have gone the distance. That's the problem with Isaac Dogbay, A little bit too tough for his own good. I remember speaking with him at the press conference in London between Amir Khan and Terence Crawford. And... It was before their rematch had been completely finalized, and he basically said to me, look, the, the rematch is happening, the rematch is happening, um, I want the immediate rematch. And I said to him straight, I said, that's a hard fight, man, you know, he was just too big for you, Isaac, I mean, that's a hard, hard fight, but respect to you, you know, for wanting that, that fight, and um, that's what you've got to do, you've got to respect him for, for going in there, but... Yeah, I think uh, it it was just pretty much a carbon copy of the first fight, unfortunately. He was just too small, and he isn't able to get his shots off because of it. Navarrete's got a chin on him. I think he's proven that in both the fights, the, the, tw- the 23 and a half rounds that they've gone. Um, and he doesn't stop throwing punches. He's got a great work rate, a great engine. He's just a complete style nightmare for Dog Bay and... It was alarming pretty much from the first 30 seconds of the fight. Um, Dog Bay probably nicked a couple of rounds in the midway kind of point, but that was about it. It was a one-sided fight, unfortunately. Dogbay's talking about moving up to... To featherweight, I think he's going to be way too small for those guys there. But you'd imagine the obvious fight would be Oscar Valdez, which is a fight I wouldn't say no to. And the final bill to mention, at the Eagle Bank Arena in Fairfax, Virginia, USA, two, well, three fights, actually, to mention over here. Matty Korobov, 28-2. He took on Emmanuel Alim, who was 18-1 with one draw. Korobov really did tire towards the end. It was quite surprising. He really gassed. Um... And it was only a 10, it wasn't even a 12-rounder, but it was a weird one because Korobov got announced as the winner, I think it was a split decision, or a majority decision, and then, you know, the, they both got out the ring, the fighters, I think they did their interviews, went back to the dressing room, and the show went to a commercial break, or an advert break I should say, and um, they... they They said when it come back on, they said, um, yeah, they've changed the result from a majority decision to a majority draw. So can you imagine the heartbreak for Korobov after celebrating a win and then it being snatched away from you because the judge couldn't add up 12 rounds. It was just, oh sorry, 10 rounds. It was it was just one of the most bizarre things I've seen. I mean, it's boxing. It's full of bizarre things, but that was quite unfair in my opinion. Um, Mario Barrios as well. He really did impress. 24-0 and now. A knockout in the second round against Juan Velasco. Again, on paper I was looking at that saying, hey, Velasco's only loss was to Regis Progre, a proven world-level fighter, a world champion now, and he was able to hit Progre quite a lot. I think Progre did it in about eight rounds. He got the knockout finally. And, um... I thought, hey, he's quite a live opponent here for Mario Barrios, but Barrios stopped him in the second round with a body shot. He wants the champions, and you can't really blame him for saying that. I mean, he knocked the guy out in a quarter of the time that Regis prograded it. That is a statement. And topping the bill, Jarrett heard 23-0. He put his IBF, IBO, and WBA world titles on the line against Julian J. Rock Williams, a friend of the show. I'm pleased for him. I said it on last week's show. I'd love to see him win. Although I had to be honest, I I couldn't see it. I said I thought that Herd would probably get the knockout or or beat him on points quite wide. Um Herd was down himself in the second round. It was a bit of a strange one to be honest with you. It was it was like a little bit of a uh, um like a delayed reaction. It was a weird one. He got hit with a shot and then he seemed to have a slight delayed reaction and go down. But it was a brilliant, brilliant fight, by the way. I mean Hurd did try his usual You know, his usual tactics, he tried to impose his size, but he just couldn't really get off. I mean, he started slow, he's become a bit of a slow starter. Um, Williams, on the other hand, got off to a fantastic start. He was putting his punches together really well. Um, Like I say, the knockdown was a little bit weird. The tide seemed to turn a little bit in the mid-rounds. I think Jarrett Hurd had a lot of success there, and the speed was with Hurd. But... um, I didn't strictly score it, I know it was pretty close, but in the end our man Julian Williams managed to rip the title away from Jarrett Heard, which is an incredible achievement really to think where, you know, he got stopped by um by Jamal Charlo. Um, you know, to think he's gone from that to this, and uh, credit to Julian J. Rock Williams. It was a brilliant post fight interview. You could see the emotion on his face. He was in tears. We love a good story in boxing, and that was a good feel good story. So, all the best there to Julian J. Rock Williams. I'd like to see him. If Tony Harrison loses to Jamel Charlo, I'd like to see those guys get it on. It'd be interesting. Jamel Charlo against Julian Williams, or perhaps let Hurd fight the loser of that fight as well. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Hurd fight Tony Harrison again, or perhaps fight um, Jamel Charlo if Tony Harrison does get the, 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 the win in the rematch against Charlo. It is confusing, but there are some good fights to still be made in that division, don't get me wrong, um, even though most of the top guys have got losses now, at least one loss for every guy apart from uh, apart from Mungia. so there are still some brilliant fights to be made over there, but that's it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the super lightweight prospect. It is, of course, the professor, Mr. Michael Fox. Mike, welcome back on the show.
0: Uh, thanks for having me
3: So Mike, you're obviously fresh off your win on Saturday. You boxed on the Bashelt versus Vargas undercard in Arizona. In the other corner stood the undefeated 2016 Olympic gold medalist Fazladin Gabe Nazarov. Uh, They didn't show the fight over here in the UK. They showed, uh, I just think it was like the Dog Bay fight and the the Bashelt fight. So please talk me and our listeners from the UK through the fight if they haven't seen it.
0: Uh, yeah well it was on uh ESPN plus i didn't i, I didn't know y'all didn't have that app but um it was uh it was it was the main it was the uh the last last flight before the uh main car started for uh dog bay and and, and uh, whatnot so you know we we come out you know we come out to the uh to the, in the first round these um, we're both moving around a lot he comes, he's very he's actually very quick on his feet so he was able to bounce in and out uh maybe made me miss, uh, made me miss a lot. So, um I gave him the first two rounds, especially in the second round, he caught me with a big shot that, you know, everybody oohed and odd about coming with a couple shots. Um but they didn't they didn't really they didn't really phase me. But he, he did try to uh he, he did try to finish me off. Uh, he did try he, he tried to he tried to finish me in the second round. But um, you know, after that the third round my, my 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 coach, my dad, he tells me um he can't fight backwards. So just keep pushing him back so he can't leap in and catch you like he did. So that was really the story of the fight on my end. I was just trying to keep him going back, um, show the judges that I'm initiating, the, trying to initiate the action. Um, we, we we exchanged some great, we, we both exchanged some great shots. Um, but oh no, it was it was it was a uh, it was a great fight. He lost a point in the seventh round for uh, holding. Uh, I think I think uh, the pressure I was applying started to get to him a little bit. And then in the eighth round, he uh, lost a point for backhand because I believe my height was a uh, was a was a factor that really frustrated him. Um, regardless of losing those points, I mean, even if he didn't lose those points, I would have, uh, according to the judges, I still would have won that by majority decision, uh, 96-94 to twice, and then 95-95. to But the um, yeah, all in all, it was a great experience. You know, Gav Asarov, um, he, he's not. He's not a dirty fighter, so I don't I don't want anybody to think that uh, think that about him because um, you know it just it, it just things that happen uh, during our fights, especially like with the backhand things. Like me, I'm, I'm I'm I didn't even care. Like I'm about to step, I was about to step in with another with another combination as the ref broke us. So you know, it, but it wasn't a malicious it wasn't a malicious thing
3: and you've expressed a little bit of, well, a little bit of anger, I guess, towards the commentary team. Like I say, I didn't get to actually see it live. How bad was the commentary? Tell me, Mike.
0: Well, you know, with him being a top-ranked prospect on a top-ranked card, I expected some bias mm. um, uh, from the commentary team. It's not really, them being, their bias didn't upset me, isn't the thing that necessarily upset me. It, it was what uh, uh, what Christina Ponta said, she, she basically accused the ref of cheating. she said that he was that uh, he wasn't being neutral like like from from a conversation that she heard the tail end of um um while we were in the back while the ref was going over the instructions you know we, we 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 voiced some uh we voiced a few uh, uh things that we would like we actually to have to look out for like if he, he tries to come in with his head down um be be aware of that if he tries to say I hit him behind the head or them jumping, or since me being tall, them jumping on top of my head when I try to duck or anything. We, we did, we voiced, we voiced those, we voiced those uh, concerns. And then, um, you know, the referee's name's uh, I the mean, Tony Zano. Uh, Zano. He um, he said, "Man, it's your night to shine." With you know, which is a, just a, a which is just something that that referees say to fighters to basically say, "I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in this fight if I don't have to." So just keep it clean. You know, she misinterpreted. She she tried to. Inter- I guess she misinterpreted it and tried to um, make it sound like he was being. Uh, he he wasn't uh, roughing a neutral fight. And yeah, I didn't really. I didn't really appreciate that. And I did. I, I did. Vo- I did voice that. Um, the biased commentary was expected. That was expected. Anytime you coming on the B side, you don't don't expect a fair shake. If I'm if I if I can tell that to any fight on the way up. You coming on the b don't be afraid to come on the b side because uh, you can still uh, potentially win like myself and Julian Williams, who both came on the B side and he won a world championship and I beat an Olympian but you know bias commentary that's part of the that, 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 that is a, that, that's a that's a, a trend as of late that that's really, that, that, that really takes away from uh, that can really take away from a good fight if a casual fan doesn't know what to look for.
3: Yeah, it certainly can. Um, You know, this fight, obviously, you were a huge underdog going into it. Not only that, but you were coming off that, that, that loss in the fight before, which was only 12 weeks earlier. Tell me something, Mike. Um, your only loss, which I'm talking about here, was very controversial. I actually thought you won. You thought you won. Urgashev was a Southpaw. He was. He was a you know a Uzbek yeah. fighter. Your opponent on Saturday was a Southpaw, another Uzbek fighter. Did you learn anything from your quote unquote loss to Ergoshev that helped you in your win on Saturday? Yeah,
0: I think the biggest thing I learned from uh, the Erg- the uh, fight is um, really they. They, they, while they are both different sides and they have different attributes, their style of fighting is sort of similar. So, the the thing I the thing I felt uh, I needed to do more in this fight that I should have did against ergushev was just to let my hands go more when when they were backpedaling. Like right? um, Irkushov comes like thing is comes in with all his might with it with that left hand. And that's something you have to watch out for. If you you can act like 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 guys like to act like oh yeah he can hit I can hit too. Honestly, you got to be mindful of that. But when he, but when I was able to uh, uh, make Ergushev step, uh, take steps back, he was never in a position to uh, to, to really counter. Even even finally, he um, every now and then he would do a little do a little juke move or a little sidestep and try to counter. I didn't Ergishev, Looking back at that fight, Ergushev didn't do never really did any of that. Unless he, if he was coming forward, he was punching. If he wasn't coming forward, he was on total defense mode. Those were times where I needed to let my hands go more. So, in this fight, when I fought uh, uh, Gav Mazarov, um, when he sealed up and, and whatnot, I tried to just, I, 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 my main thing was to let my hands go. Just pull more just let it let go. Let go combinations, a lot of punches to show the judges that, you know, I'm, I'm here to fight. I'm initiating the action. And I think uh, I, I think that I, I didn't show that I was initiating the action against Ergushev. And that's, Something that cost me. I think I countered well enough to uh, I still think I countered well enough to win that fight. I still landed the cleaner shots, but everything was a reaction to a lot of what I did was a reaction to what Ergashev was doing and that's where i that was that's where my fault was in that fight.
3: Yeah, obviously you mentioned the two guys having similar wrist styles. Obviously Ergoshev's a you know he's just all out aggression. I mean, he tried to keep up his yeah. early knockout streak against you. But anyway, we we last spoke back in August, so it's been it's been a few, it's been a little while now. Um, it was right before the Demarcus Corley fight, and I remember you told the cool story of how you once went to watch him fight as a kid, and he threw his socks into the crowd, and you caught them, and it was crazy that you actually yeah. ended up fighting him. Yeah. Now, obviously, you won that fight unanimously. Then in December, you stopped in two rounds the undefeated Gonzalo Delera, and then, like I say, in my opinion, yeah. you beat Ergashev, and now you've just beaten Gabe Nazarov. So that's that's four serious step ups there that you've made. And to be honest, it's probably more step ups and and big wins than any other prospect uh, has has done recently. It's been quite a glorious four wins there for you. I appreciate that. No, no problem, my friend. Um, it's just it's just
0: a yeah it, it's just a matter of you know I believe you got to challenge yourself before. You get to a point where, where you're like on TV all the time, or you're just, or you're, or you're up for, or you're up for like a title, or even maybe number one contender before that. Like once I got to like my tenth fight, I, I I used to tell people I want to fight another prospect and see where, where I actually belong in this sport. Once once I got to a certain point, I'm like we're not taking guys that are just gonna lay down. I'm not I'm not building my career on that. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of fighters that do that, do that and then when they fight, when they fight somebody that, that's just as good as them, like they, they 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 crumble, and it looks awful. And we don't. And I I, I I've seen it. I had seen it so many times. I I never wanted that to be me. So you know, the times I tell you, we we there were calculated risks. We didn't just take the first thing. Fuck, my my team would see how we matched up stylistically, and and, and my dad would tell me, "Oh man." We, if you want to, if you want to be good, and if you if you think you can actually go far in this uh, sport, you shouldn't have no, you shouldn't uh, be willing to, you shouldn't be unwilling to fight these kind of guys. I was like, all right, bet, like let us let, let's do it then. You know, I got a team that believes in me. I have, I have uh, a lot of faith in my own ability. So it was it, it was nothing. It, it was nothing to just 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 take a challenge like. Really, I told and I told I told people they said yeah you suffered your first loss I like man if I was, if I really cared that much about being undefeated I wouldn't have uh, fought Urgeshev you know I wouldn't have fought Urgeshev I wouldn't have fought Dallera I wouldn't have fought a lot of the guys on my resume I wouldn't have fought Chop Shop, probably if I if I really was concerned about being undefeated but it was it was it was always it's always I need I need to know for my peace of mind where I actually belong in this sport and that's why I fight the way I fight that's why i i
3: pick the fights i picked. yeah and you certainly wouldn't have thought gabe nazarov coming off a you know off a loss on paper you wouldn't have wanted to to, to make it two losses in a row if you really did care about the undefeated streak. Um, like I say, you've, you've been very active lately. Four big fights in a nine-month period. I want to kind of squash two questions in one here. Do you know just yet when your next fight will be? And obviously your last two fights have seemingly been at a catch weight of 142. What is the long-term plan? Is it to lose the two extra pounds and go down to 140, or would it be to move up to welterweight eventually for the titles?
0: I don't, I don't know when my next fight is. You know, uh, we just kind of letting the dust settle. Uh, my promoter Marshall Kaufman had thrown, had, uh, had, had promoted a show before. Um, before he flew out to Arizona to come to, to see me fight. So I mean, I know he's been busy. He's probably letting his batteries recharge. We're just, we're all, we're all uh, just, just uh, taking a, taking a quick breather right now. Um, but when, you know, when the next talk when the next call comes, you know, I'll be ready. I'll be sure to get in touch with you and everything. But. As far as, as far as my, my weight, I'm it at 142. I, I feel like if if, if 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 there's something big on the line, like a a a, 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 t- a junior title or uh, or so, or some type of contention, I could I can make I could perhaps lose the uh the last I could lose the last two pounds. Um, but like I said, my body is growing. You know, I'm tw- as a 23 year old. In all honesty, I think by the end of this year or early next year, I might. Start growing into a welterweight, and you know, I think I'll be able to be in welterweight for a long time. You know, i still have my uh, of course, I still have that height advantage that 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 um, everyone lo- loves to talk about. I'll have I'll have that, I could I'll probably have that if I, if I went all the way up to light heavyweight for real. But you know, the main thing is <laughs> the main thing is uh, just just um, the main thing is just taking our time, letting the body mature at it at its um, at its own rate, you can't force anything. Can't jump up too fast uh, because you know that that extra weight that that seven pounds makes a difference. You know, so you know we want we want to we are gonna be smart about everything we do. You know, and meanwhile we take time we we take our we're gonna take our challenging fights where we where we be, uh where we can get them.
3: Well said, my friend. And it's official: Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Furman July twentieth. Interesting <laughs> fight, Mike. Who have you got? Who have you got in that one? Good fight.
0: That's a good one. That's a good one to pick. Uh, I think um. Pacquiao, I mean, he he's an older fighter, absolutely, but um, Thurman, I feel like Thurman. I think I, I think I would pick Pacquiao because I feel like if he can, uh, his his output will give Thurman some trouble. His 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 movement will give him some trouble. Um, I mean, of course, Pacquiao is the same Pacquiao he was like five years ago. But you know, I think um, he still. i I think he still uh, can do the twelve rounds. Uh, I think he still do the 12-round dance better than uh, Keith Thurman. I think Keith Thurman slows down in the middle of the fight. He might get a second win, but, you know, with, with, with all with all the movement and the jumping in and out that Pacquiao does, I think that's going to present some trouble for Thurman as he tries to land those big shots. So I think I would have to take Pacquiao on that
3: one. And your older brother Alantis, obviously he's boxing this weekend in your hometown against Nick Brinson. So it's it's a busy seven day period for your dad.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um but you know, Tez is uh ranked number four by the WBO. He's trying to keep his rankings up, you know, we need he needs to stay busy, you know, he needs to get back at it. He hasn't fought since September, you know. It's not, not 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 because he hasn't been training. It's it's just getting it's getting harder and harder for uh them to find fights for us like like these like like even for me like my dad my my uh, my promoter talked to my my dad and told us uh he like I thought maybe the loss against Erkutian would 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 have people uh out jumping at out the uh jumping 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 at a chance to fight Mike but once they find out you know that he can take a punch you can barely hit him. He's tall AF, so you know he's still he's still not an uh, easy win. And You know, I thought for sure, like man, maybe now maybe now somebody will, uh, try try a hand, but this 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 uh, this trend has been going on with Alonzo's Fox for a long time. You know, guys aren't each chomping at the bit to fight him, and 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 and, and his activity, a lack, uh, lack of uh, activity. Is what's plaguing him the most? You know, you want to when you got a when you got a when you have a fighter, it's like it's like a a knife. You got to keep him sharp. You got to keep you got to keep that knife sharp, or it's not going to
3: cut. I like that analogy, my friend. I do. That's that's an interesting one. I've I've not heard that. I like that one. Um, And and the final Uh, the final real question for you, Mike. This weekend. I'm gonna give you a chance here to have your say on this fight, if it is indeed one that uh, that piques your interest. Ivan Baranchik against Josh Taylor, two undefeated, uh, 140 fighters, two of the very best in that weight. Who wins that one, and who do you want to see obviously progress to the final against Regis Progress? It's gonna be a mega fight. Whoever wins,
0: I think everybody wants uh, Taylor to win. You know, him and Regis are we're, we're the Uh, we're the we're the the favorites i can i can uh see why i've I've seen josh taylor fight very elusive very good boxer good feet you know bit of a showman i i actually like the way he fights um but barancic i mean it seems he's been around and he I i feel like he's been up there a little more than uh than taylor has so you know his his experience and he's not a weak guy at all um this is going to be a good fight. I, I think I, I'm probably going to root for Taylor because he's more of my my type of he's more of my type of boxing style. But that's going to be a good one. I will definitely be tuned in. I have I have zone. I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be watching that at uh I'm going to be watching that probably while Taylor's getting warmed up in the back or until they need me to do anything. And, and that I watch it the next day. I don't like me. I try to, I try to avoid hearing about fights because I like, well, I like, I like, it, I like watching it and, and feeling new and not knowing the result. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm probably rooting for Taylor. I think I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm rooting for Taylor on this one because I like, I like his style. I prefer his style
3: to a rancher. Yeah, I know that feeling when you've got to try and stay away from your phone and social media and stuff like that to avoid hearing about Rizzo. It's, it's the worst when you're actually at a boxing show and there's a show clash uh-huh. where, you you know, you want to watch both of them but you're at one and the other one's recording at home and then when you get in, you're telling everyone ringside, just don't tell me anything, I want to watch it when I get home. It's yeah, always a spoiler, yeah. though. That, that was the... <laughs> yeah,
0: it always is. But And that was the thing about uh, my fight. I had fought... Um, I had fought, and as soon as I had fought, we come to the back. My dad had his cell phone. We we, we turned on Jared Hurd and Julian Williams. We turned that fight on. I thought, man, I'm gonna have to dodge. I'm, I'm gonna have to dodge this zone for a day and a half. I'm gonna have to dodge my uh, social media site. And then, and then my then, um they they had just started the fight. My dad turned it on. We sat there. We all we all crowded around his little his, his iPhone his, his iPhone X. And we just watch. We watching the fight like we there, like we, like we're there, live and direct, right right back at home. But you know, it's it, it, it happens, man. You can't catch all of them. I I, I know you're 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 a you're a, report, you're a reporter. And you have your blog. I know you. I know you probably it probably kills, me. you can't see all of it.
3: <laughs> it sure does, man. Especially like the other day. Like I say, I was watching, uh, uh, Heard and. Um... And Williams, and then at the same exact time, Dog Bay's fighting, uh, fighting Navarrete. And obviously, Dog Bay is, you know, he's got a tie with Britain, he's he's got a big connection here, um, with us. So he's, you know, he's, he's a guy that a lot of people over here are interested in. So I was kind of watching that one primarily, but then on the other screen, I'm watching, um, Heard and Williams, and I never really got to watch the whole thing in in its entirety, sadly. Um, but yeah, those things happen. We're we we're, we're going off subject completely here. Uh, Mike, the the last the last words, really, just I wanted to throw it over to you. If you've got any closing words, just to tell our listeners before we let you go, my friend.
0: I just want to uh, say thank you to everybody who listening. Thank you to everyone who's uh, followed me after. Uh, first interview. I hope I, I hope to uh, I hope to come to your neck of the Woods and actually uh, actually fight one day. Cause I hear I hear the uh, I, hear, I hear the y'all you, your fans uh, y'all I hear the fans over there are are, are, are are love boxing. They just love boxing. So thank you to everyone who's tuning in. Thank you to everyone who's following me uh, from from all the way from overseas. Please continue to follow me and follow me on Twitter at Professor Mike and on Instagram at Professor Mike
3: at Professor Mike, and that is, by the way, M-Y-K-E for anyone that wants to go and follow Michael. Right, listen, Mike, it is always a pleasure, my friend, having you on the show. Congrats once again on your win. Please wish your brother good luck from me for this weekend, and we'll catch up sometime soon.
0: All right, thank you so much, man. Uh, thanks for calling.
3: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I ask take it away. What you got?
2: All right, Tyson Fury's fight with Thomas Schwartz will be shown live on... BT Sports Box Office.
3: Yeah, not quite uh, Not quite happy with that, to be honest with you. Um, it's not a pay-per-view fight. You know, it's not, it's not a pay-per-view fight at all. You know, the three main guys in the heavyweight division, we, we're getting on their backs for not fighting the fights that we want. This weekend, obviously, Deontay Wilder fights Dominic Brazil. We were all bashing that fight. It's actually not that bad of a fight, to be honest. Um, we'll talk about it in the preview part in a moment. Um, also, we talked about... Um, you know Joshua against Big Baby Miller, then Andy Ruiz Jr. I mean that's a pay per view, so that's that's I'm not I'm not happy with that one. But the Wilder one, obviously over here, I think in the states it's on pay per view, but over here that one's free to air. So from my point of view, that's the best entertainment value when you're weighing up entertainment and money spent. I mean it comes free on Sky that fight for us, so um, paying money to watch you know Tyson Fury against Tom Schwartz and Joshua against Andy Ruiz Jr I preferred to watch Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr with a solid undercard but I'm hearing the undercard that they're putting on for Tyson Fury against Schwartz isn't even a great undercard so uh, I'm I, I honestly I'm Fury's biggest fan but I don't think I'm going to be paying for that one
2: All right Josh Kelly will face uh, Ray Robinson on the undercard Joshua vs Ruiz Jr
3: Yeah Josh Kelly in a step up actually um, I mean, this guy Ray, Robbers, Ray Robinson. Obviously, it's not Sugar Ray Robinson, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, he's a tough guy from Philly. Twenty-four and three with one draw. His record. He's only been stopped once. It was to your Dennis Yugas. Obviously, a good fighter. That was back in uh, in the early part of last year, and he's coming off that draw recently. But it was back in March against Igis Kavalowskis, That was um, a fight where a lot of people thought he nicked it, and reading between the lines, Kavalowskis knocked out David Avanesian. And this guy drew with Kavalowskis. So in a way... I know boxing doesn't really work like that, but Josh Kelly's fighting a guy that drew with the guy that knocked out Avanessian. So, it's a fight that we like the sound of. It sounds good. It should be a good fight. He's quite a tough guy, like I say. Uh, His other losses came to... He lost to Sean Porter on points back in 2010. He's been a pro a long, long time, actually. And um, he's got that experience over Josh Kelly. So, it's a good fight. And I tell you what... I really hope it gets the the credit that it deserves, because it's a real risk, actually. He's a kind of low-risk... Sorry, high-risk, low-reward type of fighter, Ray Robinson. That's why he hasn't really been getting these big fights of recent times. Right. Manny Pacquiao will face Keith Furman on July 20th. They said it's on pay-per-view over here at all hours. Have they said that yet? No announcement. No announcement. Well, that's a pay-per-view fight. I mean, I don't want to start encouraging pay-per-views at all, because there's too many of them, but... um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a fight that really does deserve some money out of my pocket, to be honest with you. And remember, those people that are trying to campaign for for Frotch Groves free, that'd be on pay per view. So think about things before you tweet them. We do not want to see that. There's too many pay per views. Obviously, Dillian White against Rivas as well. Too many pay per views.
2: Kayla um, Plant will face Mike Lee for the IBF super middleweight title.
3: Yeah, Mike Lee, um, he's been a guy that's kind of been trotting around in the background. Um, whereas, you know, Caleb Plant, especially in the last sort of 12 months, has really turned into such a brilliant fighter. He's got a great story. He's got a very sad story, actually, but one that really grips your heart. Um, and Mike Lee, like I say, 21-0, and 0, um, you know... He's kind of been knocking around for a while. I remember him being undefeated a few years back, but he hasn't really had the big kind of fights. He's been pushed on quite slowly. He's... he's uh, I mean, he's... He's he's kind of gone a similar-ish kind of path to Jordan Gill in some ways, where he's just, you know, been been fighting kind of knockover jobs, really. Not as bad as Jordan Gill, by the way. He's, he's fought some half-decent guys with a pulse, but... Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to have anything to, you know, danger Caleb Plant. I think it's a, a relatively easy first offence for Caleb Plant, who's just bought his uh, his first house with his missus. So, credit to him. He's a friend of the show. We wish him all the best. Yep, and that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much. Right, let's try and rush through this here. We're going to start at... Uh, the Ulster Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, for the preview part here. Let's start with the well, it's only really one fight to mention. It's happening uh, on ESPN Plus. I think it's also on Box Nation, if I'm not mistaken. It's an MTK Global show. Ryan Burnett, the return of him. He's 19 and one, former IBF bantamweight world champion. He fights for the vacant WBC International Super Bantamweight title against Gilbert Gomera, who's 14 and five. Um, Ryan Bennett. I mean, he hasn't even had a fight yet at super bantam. Obviously, he's moved up in weight, and to think that he's already fighting for a WBC minor trinket is actually a little bit suspect. Especially the opponent he's taken on, Jai Jai Burke I mean, or Gumera, I should say. I mean, he's he's been in there with Kanzu. Um, that's obviously the standout name on his on his record. But I mean, other than that, I mean, he got knocked out by Kanzu. It's 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 an interesting fight. It's a weird kind of fight, really, that one. I hope it doesn't go under the radar, but... Yeah, it's good to see Burnett back. And Nonito Donair is going to be sat ringside, cheering on his former opponent. What a good guy he is. He's going to be ringside there in Belfast. Moving out now, though, to the Lamech Stadium, I think it said, in Stevenage, Hertfordshire, United Kingdom. Um, let's talk about this, Bill, here. We have Joe Joyce, 8-0. and He takes on Alexander Ustinov, 34-3. I'm expecting Joyce to have way too much for Rustinov. Um I think that's, a, that's an easy knockout there for Joe Joyce within... Probably five rounds or something. Uh, Cody Davies, 8-0. He has no opponent just yet. That's a four-rounder there. Um, Willie Hutchinson friend of the show 7 and 0 he takes on Andre Bodera who's 9 and 10 with one draw that's a six rounder there Ryan Garner from Southampton he's 8 and 0 he's in a six rounder against Jose Hernandez 4 and 33 with one draw Harvey Horn, 5 and 0 he's in a six rounder against Joel Sanchez who's 4 and 2 with one draw uh, and topping the bill for for some kind of version of the WBO World Super Middleweight title Billy Joe Saunders 27 and 0 he takes on Shefat Isu. Sufi, who's twenty-seven and three with two draws. The bad thing about a Sufi, I had a little dive through his record. Actually, um, I'm going to tell you something about the guy. It sounds great. He's got twenty-seven wins. It's the same amount as Billy Joe. But when you actually read between the lines, um There's a staggering fact I tweeted out earlier on this week. Eight of his wins have come against debutants. And another seven of his wins came against opponents with five or less wins. And I think a couple of them had maybe one win or maybe even zero wins. And actually, one of his three losses came against a debutant. I mean, think about that one. That's, that's actually awful. I think that Billy Joe Saunders walks through him and stops him when he wants, probably in the 7th round maximum. Uh, moving out now to the SSE in the Hydro uh, sorry, the SSE Hydro in Glasgow Scotland, United Kingdom. This one is a World Boxing Super Series card it's going to be shown on Sky Sports. Thank the Lord for that one. It's a brilliant, brilliant card this by the way. Chantelle Cameron she gets out. I think she'll be in separate changing rooms from the likes of Shane McGuigan, you'd have thought. Uh, she is 9-0. and She takes on Bianca Majaf who has a record of 3-1 and one. Uh, Paul Butler, former world champion 28-2 no opponent just yet, that's an 8 rounder there Lee McGregor gets on the bill 5-0 and oh. he takes on Christian Nevarez who's 15-15 with 4 draws that's an 8 rounder there Zach Parker, the reigning British uh, super middleweight world champion uh, not world champion, super middleweight British champion he takes on Stephen Cranbert he's a, you know, he's a Easy fight back really after his operation. Seventeen and 0 Zach Parker, a friend of the show. He takes on, like I say, Stephen Cranber, eight and four his record. Um Emmanuel Rodriguez nineteen and oh, he unifies with Naoya Inoue for the for the right to take on Nonito Donaire in the final of this one. It's of course for their IBF and WBA world titles. Naoya Inoue, a complete powerhouse, a bit of a phenom. Emmanuel Rodriguez. I give him a much better shot than most people do. He really impressed me against Paul Butler. He dropped him twice, I think, in the first round, and then he boxed a masterclass from that point onwards. I'm not saying that Paul Butler is anything near Naoe Inoue, but I'm just saying Emmanuel Rodriguez can stick to a game plan. He's got a great jab. He's got fantastic feet. it's one of those fights i definitely think he's going to be on the back foot i think inoue is going to be coming to him that could be the undoing actually there for rodriguez but i give him a shot you know i think he's got he's got enough skills to to try and win on points i actually thought he was a lot taller than inoue i think he's about an inch taller or something like that but inoue's got quite long reach he's got the longer reach despite being the shorter guy so um Yeah, I think Inoue does get to him at some point, but I hope it goes a few rounds. Um, It's a brilliant fight, but like I say, I give Rodriguez a bit of a shot, more than most do. Um, But Inoue, like I say, if he is that special guy that we're trying to squeeze onto our pound-for-pound top five list, then he should do a job on Rodriguez, as sad as that may as that may sound, because Rodriguez is a good fighter. And topping that bill, Ivan Baranchik, 19-0. and 0. He takes on Josh Taylor, 14-0. and 0. It is for Josh Taylor's WBC Silver Super Lightweight title, but more importantly, the IBF Full World Super Lightweight World title. Um, a 12-round fight there. Baranchik, Iaz, against Josh Taylor. A brilliant, brilliant fight. Give me your take.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very good fight. Obviously, it's in Scotland as well, and Josh, uh, Josh Taylor's home... Home, home, hometown. If I'm gonna go with a win, I'm gonna go with Josh Taylor to win by points, and him, to, for him to become a finally a world champion.
3: It really has been overdue, and it's the final we'd love to see between Taylor and Progray. Uh, you're going with Taylor on points. The listeners have gone with Taylor by knockout. There's three fights to predict on this week, and um. And you're all on ninety. Well, you're both on ninety-seven points. So hopefully, one of you gets there this week. This could be the championship week, um, or the second place week. Because uh, did I mention I, I've already won? Iaz, um, talk to me about Inuwa against Rodriguez. What's your What's your take on that one? Inuwa by um, knockout. I think
2: Inuwa is a great fight with a great, a huge match, with great knockout. Uh, so if I'm going to go with win on that, I'm going to go with Inuwa to win by knockout.
3: Yeah, you're in agreement there with the listeners. Um... Moving out now to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. This is the final card to mention. Um, a couple of fights to mention over here. The two younger brothers of of uh, Gary Russell Jr. They both box. Gary Antoine Russell, eight and oh with eight knockouts. He takes on Marcos Mojica, who only I think only got stopped once, or or if he's been stopped a couple of times, then the most like the worst one was against the the. Uh, was against Danny R. Yelusinov, I should say. So it'd be interesting to see where Gary Antoine Russell can kind of get his knockout, if he does indeed get one. It'd be interesting if he can do it quicker than uh, than than uh, the golden boy, Yelusinov from Matchroom, obviously, the, the Kazakh. Uh, twenty sixteen Olympic gold medalist. So Antoine Russell, eight and oh. That's an eight rounder against Marcos Magica, who's sixteen and three with two draws. Gary Antonio Russell, thirteen and oh he's in an eight rounder against Saul Hernandez, who's thirteen and twelve with one draw. Um Gary Russell Jr., we had him on last week's show, twenty-nine and one. He puts his WBC World title on the line against Kiko Martinez, thirty-nine and eight with two draws. I'd expect Gary Russell Jr. to stop him. That is a mismatch, unfortunately. And topping the B.O.I. The final fight to mention, I'm gonna let you go first here. Deontay Wilder forty and zero with one draw. He puts his WBC World Heavyweight Crown on the line against Dominic. Trouble Brazil twenty and one, a friend of the show. I'd love to see Dominic Brazil do it. But but Deontay Wilder, the knife punch hard.
2: I mean, this is, I mean, it's not really a, to be fair, it's really a mismatch, obviously, we've seen.
3: Oh, that's
2: a bit harsh. Okay, let me reword that. I mean, it's not the best fight to be seen for a world heavyweight at all. Obviously, Deontay Wilder fighting um, Dominic Brazil. If I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Domin- uh, Deontay Wilder to win by a knockout. But I, I can't see, I-, I really can't see Dominic Brazil winning this fight at all.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Dominic Brazil do it. He's a friend of the show. I know things are very personal. There's no fake beef between those two guys. Um, it really did go off in a hotel foyer. Um, there's all sorts of accusations flying around about the Deontay Wilder camp, and they were quite disgusting. I think Deontay Wilder's also said quite disturbing things in the build-up about, you know, boxers losing their lives and stuff like that. It's, it's quite distasteful. Um I understand you got to sell the fight. I think he's gone a little bit overboard, and that pairing with the fact that the uh, that. Not Deontay Wilder. That Dominic Brazil is a top man. He's a good guy. He's been on the show a couple of times. He's a true gen. I really have got a lot of time for Dominic Brazil. I'd love to see him do it, but it is a it is a tough task. It's asking a lot out of him. But I'd love to see him do it. He's got a puncher's chance. He's got more than a puncher's chance, actually. Um, but yeah, someone is getting knocked out, and of, of course, you've kind of got to go with Wilder. So you're saying Wilder by knockout. I as the listeners are agreeing with you. So you're both in agreement on that one as well. Uh, but yeah that's about it we've tried to fly through everything as quick as possible there that's it for the preview part of the show just before we wrap up part two and finally end the show the last thing to do is to welcome guest number two ladies and gentlemen please welcome the top heavyweight contender himself it is of course mr michael hunter mike welcome back on the show thank you for having me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. So, Mike, we last spoke in in November. It's been quite a while. It was fight week for the fight against Alexander Ustinov, a fight you had ridiculously short notice for. However, you stepped in, you flew yeah. to Monte Carlo, and became the quickest man ever to stop Mr. Alexander Ustinov. Talk us through that win real quick, if you can.
1: Uh, well, you know, it was a very uh, short moment, you know. um You know, it's always a different feeling once, you know, you guys start getting to the hotel and you start seeing, you know, all the other competitors and stuff. It's a different feeling, but Monaco uh, was great, and we went there, and, you know, it kind of came and gone very fast. You know, uh, I was able to get the job done. The guy was a monster uh, of a guy of a size, and um, you could tell he had a lot of different experience, you know. he You could tell he's fought a lot of different um, smaller uh heavyweights uh by the way he was uh holding me down and you know um knowing where to place his hands and stuff so he's a very experienced guy i was able to like you said uh stop him in, in probably in the best fashion that he's ever been that's that uh you know that's ever happened so uh i was great for that and you know and it was on a on notice i think i just made a statement with that
3: Yeah, you really did. And talking of Alexander Ustinov, this weekend he takes on Joe Joyce in the UK. Uh, What are your thoughts on that fight? Obviously, there was a comment made by Joyce's manager at the time kind of saying that Ustinov was, uh, you know, no good of an opponent to fight you. And then obviously his man, Joe Joe Joyce, takes him on this weekend. So, uh, yeah, funny how boxing works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of funny, you know. Uh, He did. I remember exactly that he commented about it, about me fighting. And I took it, you know, it wasn't, um, it's not like I was getting ready for him. He's the one that's, you know, he chose him. He's the one getting prepared and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we'll see how he performs, you know what I'm saying. Uh, Everybody thinks it's all easy and stuff like that. but, But, you know, I just made it look like that, you know, but. These guys can actually fight. Martin McCullough and, you know, Usainov, they these guys are no, uh, they've been in the ring and, you know, they're used to throwing hands and getting hit. So it's not going to be a just a walkover. So we'll see what happens
3: and before we talk about your next fight which of course got got announced formally today uh, for a little while you were linked with that Anthony Joshua fight on June the 1st you were the the favorite in the in the bookies over here to actually get the fight obviously it didn't end up happening but what did you actually know from your side uh, you know through the whole negotiation period what what did you actually know what can you tell us about it
1: um well i know that uh you know, they threw numbers at me, but I never really got a contract, you know.
3: So I kind of feel like I was, you
1: know, uh, kind of just being uh, used to throw around. But, you know, I think, you know, they they were – I was definitely an option at one point, but, you know, that they wanted to find somebody else. You know, I was probably the last option, you know what I'm saying. So uh, they did find somebody other than, you know, other than me. So I think that's what happened.
3: And the chosen man was Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, what are your thoughts on that fight between him and Joshua?
1: Um, I you know everybody's you know putting Andy down, but uh, you know this dude has a lot of experience. You know, uh, I would say he's the more experienced and intelligent fighter out of the two. He's been in the ring with tons of guys. I mean, you know, not, not taking anything from Anthony, but. You know this guy's been boxing since he was you know a kid, and he's been that size since he was younger too so uh the, and he's been fighting guys as big as you know the same size so uh this is nothing new to uh, to andy and that's what I think this makes this an interesting fight you know what I'm saying he just hasn't had his chance he was able to fight uh, joseph Parker which is a who moves a little bit more um you know what I'm saying is able i think it's gonna be a style to make fight thing where anthony is you know, coming becomes aggressive, and you know he likes to fight, and it uh, makes for a good clash. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think Joseph Parker would have just been a little—he'd rather take the uh, you know lighter route and box and stuff like that, which is gonna kind of be hard for for Andy. So if if if, if uh, Anthony does that, I think it would be
3: easy win. But uh, you know, I think he likes to fight, so we'll see some hands being thrown. I, I think that night we all hope it's going to be a good fight Um, you know, as you say there, the stylistic matchup is quite intriguing the hand speed of of Andy Ruiz Jr. Um, Obviously you were supposed to be fighting on the Usyk Takam undercard, but that fight fell through due to Usyk picking up an injury Uh, then you, again, were linked for a period with the Carlos Takam fight that's what a lot of people were saying on social media they wanted that fight to happen, obviously that isn't the opponent that you've got again, uh, from your point of view you, Mike, why was that fight unable to, to, to get wrapped up for the 25th?
1: So it was. A, it's a kind of a style, like again, it's a style of fight thing, uh, a business thing. I, I don't know why they were able to get the fight done. I think it was, you know, maybe a, also a budget thing, you know what I'm saying? They, you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of I think there was a lot of things that came into play when it came to me and tackling the fight, and uh, even though it was talked about uh, it was kind of short-lived because of those factors, you know. I think it was too many little uh, situations where, you know, uh, it would be hard to just meet up at some point. So, I don't know. You know, uh, I kind of don't know what kind of what plans that Matchroom ha has for me or Takim or Usyk. So, uh, I'm just continuing to, you know, follow my uh, my path and, and, you know, pick the right fights. I was definitely willing to fight Takim, you know, uh, but you know, uh,
3: I think just you know timing isn't there wasn't uh, right yet. So yeah, I, f- I think I agree to be honest with you. It was too short, really. Uh, Usyk obviously pulled out pretty late on. Um, it was what about two weeks before the fight or something like that. So it's a bit it's a bit too short really to throw that fight in there. I suppose, especially the fact that that you know, the venue was gonna be moved and all that kind of thing. But like I say, your 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 next fight has been announced. It got announced today. You'll be taking on Fabio Maldonado on May twenty fifth in Maryland. What do you know about Maldonado, Mike?
1: Um I, I don't know much. I actually looked up uh uh I could see that he's one that he seems to be very strong and durable, you know, he hasn't been stopped um what's his record twenty six and two, you know?
3: Yes, twenty six uh, and two, yeah.
1: Yes, he hasn't been stopped. Uh the guy who's about to fight, uh, I mean, who, who, who beat him when was it uh oh I was talking about uh, Oscar Austin Rivas. I think Rivas about to fight Damien White. So or he and he was about to supposed to fight Tyson Fury for this upcoming fight. So um, you know, he will really be fighting the slouch, you know. And then I looked up some other things that I see that he was he also fights in the May and uh, he's been in in there with some uh Legendary fighters, as far as MMA is concerned, and uh, you know they throw hands just as just as much as uh, you know boxers do. But um, uh, so you know he has a lot of experience. He's not going to be. I, I know he's going to be calm and, and you know used to having punches thrown at him, used to being in there with you know experienced type of guys. So uh, he's no slouch. Like I said, he's never been stopped at a thirty uh, you know almost thirty uh pro fights. and he has a lot of uh, experience, a lot more experience at. Uh, MMA, so uh, he's going to definitely be a live opponent for sure.
3: So obviously you mentioned there, Maldonado, you know, He's, he's, he's a pretty tough guy he's he's never been stopped as you said he is obviously quite a big puncher, um, quite probably being a bit of an understatement, he's got 26 wins as you mentioned, 25 of them inside the distance and uh, those two losses that we mentioned, like I say, both on points two by the way, two unbeaten fighters, Oscar Rivas that you mentioned and most recently Oleksandr Tezlenko a guy that's based in Canada I believe by way of Ukraine um do you believe though mike with with your current you know your current form two two back to back brilliant knockouts at least do you believe that you can become the first man to stop this guy maldonado come the 25th um
1: yeah yeah you know that's what i would like to happen and um you know we are working on we're working on the knockout hopefully to uh you know get it in, in in um great fashion as well so but uh, like I said, he's like you said, he's a he's a tough opponent. You know, the guys that he, he exactly that uh, didn't stop him or that he lost to are undefeated fighters. So, um, you know, I know it's gonna. this is a tough task. I, I, I hope to uh, outshine, you know, everybody uh, on the card for one. And um, hopefully that I get the stoppage and, um, you know, steal the show
3: and my final real question for you Mike we've kind of flown through things here uh, you mentioned Oscar Rivas we've mentioned him myself and you a couple of times during this interview obviously he takes on Dillian White, you box Rivas in the amateurs, that fight though against White happens on July 20th a good fight actually, I really like it uh, not many people do but I actually like that fight, what are your thoughts on that one?
1: Um, those are two top guys they're, they're both live fighters and live opponents um, yeah a live fighter so uh that is a very interesting uh fight Oscar Rivas. exactly i i fought him in the amateurs we've been uh, i've seen him on numerous occasions and in, um, in the amateurs, so he has a lot of experience um you know dealing white uh, we all kind of know who dealing white is, but you know we kind of get over uh tend to look over these guys that have you know haven't got to uh, just do or shine. And easy ways like uh, Dealing White and Anthony Joshua and all these other guys, uh, you know. But there's guys that are, are out there that's been in the amateurs and has been fighting before, you know, was fighting before Anthony Joshua and stuff like that. They have a lot of experience, and they're still live opponents. So, yeah, it's going to be in, uh, definitely an interesting fight. Uh, I think uh, Dillian White will pull it off um, by split decision or something close uh, if it's, you know, one of them doesn't get hit with a big banger, but... I think Dillian White should win it, uh, just by, by close. I don't think uh, he's going to blow him out. If he does, that would be a, a good statement to put on um, for him.
3: And I'm going to throw this one in as well, Mike. Obviously, you know you were linked with a Joshua fight. You were you were being talked about for Takam, perhaps. These are all big-name opponents. These are a step up from the likes of Ustinov, from the likes of Bacoli in fairness. I want to just kind of ask you, which type of fighters realistically, are you looking at for the fight past this one? So, you know, this fight obviously Uh-oh. takes place next weekend, so that's, that. you know, that's we're at the back end of May there, so you'll probably fight one or two times, I'm guessing, um, you know, in the remainder of mm-hmm. 2019. What type of guys are you looking at in a realistic world?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm, you know, it's kind of, we kind of started the year off late as far as matron and you know, uh, you know the uh, couple incidents that happened. You know, from the, the moving the event to you know Big Baby. Uh, you know, so I think they kind of like you know got kind of like uh, a little uh, startled from from uh, in this year the way they started, and um, I'm not really sure. You know, I, I thought they had a, a exact exact plan, but I, I really think uh, you know it's going to be very hard and difficult for for me to get fights unless the big, big money fights, you know, so, I, I'm not, I, I really don't know who who I, to say to fight next, you know, um, you know, I'm going to let them throw me some names, and whoever they got for me, I'm going to go from there, you know, uh, yeah, it's very hard to say at this point.
3: I know that you'll fight anyone anyway, so it's one of those questions that, uh, you don't really need to answer too much, um. And finally, Mike, just before I let you go, any closing message at all to our listeners just before we let you go, my friend? Um, to the British fans,
1: thank you guys for following me and supporting me. Um, you know, even though I'm, you know, not British, but you guys have always been they love you. Uh, top-notch fans. Yeah, they love me, and I, I really appreciate all the love, and uh, I really enjoy that. So, you know, follow me on Michael Bounty Hunter on my Instagram. And Michael Hunter uh, underscore two, or not underscore, but two on Twitter. So, yeah, um, and all the other fans out there, continue to uh, watch out for my career and continue to follow me. And that's pretty much it.
3: That is the message from the People's Champ. Listen, Mike, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that. Best of luck for the 25th, and I'm sure that we'll catch up sometime after.
1: Yes, thank you.
3: Okay, and this wraps up episode 187 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Iaz Sumra has been Iaz Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show the super lightweight world contender, Mr. Michael Fox, and of course the heavyweight world contender, Michael Hunter. The prediction league is still the same as last week because no one was able to capitalize on the predictions from last weekend. Dog Bay lost, and of course, uh, Jarrett Hurd lost as well. This week, though, there are a Another three points up for grabs. It's finally about to be over. Uh, there are one or two pieces of news that have broken while we've been recording the show. Michael Conlan will be taking on Vladimir Nikitin on August the 3rd in Belfast. Of course, Conlan gets his chance to avenge that controversial loss to Nikitin from the 2016 Olympic Games in Brazil. Um, a brilliant fight has actually been added to the undercard of Warrington vs. Galahad. A good all-domestic dust-up. We'll get to see Leon Woodstock collide with Zelpha Barrett two men that both lost their O last year, but are still two good super featherweight prospects, and of course Francesco Patera will be defending his European title against Paul Highland Jr. Uh, that one is set to take place on June 28th on a Matchroom Italy card, actually. Uh, both men have fought Lewis Ritson. Lewis Ritson demolished Paul Highland Jr., to be fair, and Patera obviously beat Ritson, so hopefully that one ends up being a good fight. And lastly, top rank have signed the two australian twins jason and andrew maloney two good fighters there so i'm excited to see what pans out for them and i uh, just want to say finally thank you all for listening to this week's show that is about everything enjoy your weekends people and we shall see you all again next week